Hello, hello, Jason Bay here. You can call me Jay Bay. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. Blissful Prospecting is a podcast for uh, sales reps and sales teams who love landing big meetings with their prospects, but hate it when they go to handle an objection on a cold call and they're kind of freeze up and they're not quite sure what to say and react in a way that doesn't feel really gross and sleazy to them. So if that's ever happened to you on a cold call, you're definitely in the right place. And without further ado, let's get to the episode today. So one thing I get really fired up about is talking to reps that are like crushing it in their first couple months on the job. And I interviewed Nick Dixon. I'm not quite sure what episode it actually is, but with Nick, what we talked about, he works at a company called Falcon.io. And what we talked about in that episode is just like what he is doing to be one of the top SDRs there. And he doesn't come from a sales background or anything like that. And our guest today, Erica, she just started working at that same company two months ago. And Nick sent an email over to me. He's like, hey, you got to talk to Erica. She's crushing it right now. She's at 300% of her month two target. And she's already one of the top SDRs on the team within the first couple months. I was like, hell yeah, <laughs> let's talk. You know, And I, I talked with Erica and there's a couple things that she's doing. Then I, you know, I was like, hey, let's do an interview and let's talk. And that's what you're about to listen to today. But there's a couple things that really stick out about Erica and what she's doing that I think you'll get a ton of value from. One, the way that she approaches her week is very methodical. Like her days typically look the same every single day in terms of the way she structures it. She's able to get in 100 cold calls per day, by the way. <laughs> so pretty crazy. She's going to walk through like her schedule, how she's able to fit those calls in. She actually gets almost all of her appointments over the phone. So we're going to talk about what she says over the phone, how she handles certain objections. And then we're also going to dig into like productivity-wise, how she's able to fit that activity into a normal workday. From my impression, she's not like working crazy hours or anything like that. She's working a pretty normal workday. You know, you only have so many hours during the day that you can call, especially during business hours. So we're going to talk about that. The other thing too that we're going to talk about is like from a targeting standpoint, how she picks and chooses companies to reach out to, how she finds the people. We're going to talk about how she sort of deals with assistants or gatekeepers, we sometimes call them, right? They pick up the phone. So there's going to be a lot of stuff in here. I had a lot of fun talking to her. So before we get to that, I have one quick favor. It would mean a lot to me. If you listen to this podcast and you get a lot of value from it, I would love if you shared it with one other person. We're really focused on growing the audience right now and helping out more people just like yourself. So if there's a coworker, someone that you work with, or potentially even your manager, or another sales leader at your company you think that would benefit from listening to some of this stuff, please, please send it their way. And let me know when you do. I'd love to give you a shout out. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. So we talked about this in our last conversation, but I thought it would be good for those listening to know, like, how did you get into like the work that you're doing right now? Because you came from like the PR world, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So what made you decide to become an SDR? Yeah, so I was definitely liking the PR field, but there were some aspects of PR that I didn't love. I was okay with the emailing back and forth with people. I loved making those connections and kind mm -hmm. of getting into sourcing the right contacts, which ultimately helped me in the sales role. But the things that I did like from PR, which were 
finding who I'm going to reach out to from each outlet and kind of having that interaction with them. So then in the future, they're actually the ones kind of reaching out to me versus me reaching out to them is something that I loved. And I knew that that was going to happen in the sales role. So kind of like keeping that conversation open. Whereas, you know, a few months down the line, if for PR, it was, if we have a story, they thought of you, but now it's, oh, if we're looking for a new tool, we're thinking of you. So I definitely wanted to kind of transition to something that was more built off of that versus just like emailing people 24 (laughs) seven, like kind of getting them on the phone as well. Yeah. Which is so funny because like all of the companies I work with, their number one challenge they have is like helping their reps with call reluctance. Yeah. And like, you took this job so that you can use the phone. (laughs) I love it. I mean, truly, if you could talk to my friends and family, they would be like, she can convince me to do like anything. Like I just have that personality (laughs) that I can get, I can talk to a wall too. So like, that's fine, which I know a lot of people can do, but it's like, do you know what to say? Like, so I don't know. It's definitely been a really good experience so far and I'm loving it. So I've interviewed Nick, obviously, and that was sort of how we connected Nick Dixon, which if you haven't listened to the episode, I definitely recommend checking it out for those listening. Can you give us some perspective, though, on like how things are going? I mean, you just started like less than two months ago or about two months ago-ish or so. It's like my third-ish month. Yeah. So this is time to brag a little bit. How are things going? (laughs) Yeah, they're definitely um, going well. I started in September. Um, obviously, you know, in a ramping period, you're hitting smaller targets in the beginning and then you kind of ramp yourself up to your goals. So our original goal was three and then it was seven. And then now we're fully ramped and we're hitting, you know, 13 as our goal. So first month I was three. My second month I hit 23, which was like, honestly, I think it was like a record at yeah. the company for someone who just started. And then yeah. at 23, I'm kind of focusing on pushing my demos to December because I know with the holidays kind of approaching, it's definitely time to be a little bit more strategic when lining things up because you're going to miss that last week, even this week. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I did think it was going to be slower, but it turned out not to be, which was great. But especially with the larger holidays, same thing, Christmas (laughs) and all that good stuff. um, I definitely think it will be slower. So definitely trying to set myself up for success, which has been working quite well. Yeah, you're crushing your target, obviously. And then also, my understanding is you're pretty close to the top, if not the top SDR like on the team right now. Yeah. Last week, someone threw in the chat that like technically for the new quarter, like I'm like globally like the top, which is cool. Obviously, I've only just started. So I don't like to be like, yeah, Yeah. like the top. But I've definitely seen like that recognition that like I've been doing a great job and then kind of like transitioning into the role super quickly compared to others. And there's other people doing great as well. Um, And it's like kind of nice to have those other specific people that are kind of doing as well. And it's kind of like, oh, you just booked something. No, I want to book something. And it's kind of nice to like back go back and forth off of each other. Yeah. I just wanted to highlight that just so people have some perspective that you're fairly new at this, but the reason why we're talking is that like things are going really, really well. So, because a common thing that I see with the companies that I work with, you know, another sort of trend is that there's certain, you know, SDRs that kind of don't pick up on things mm-hmm. very quickly. And it could be because the onboarding is bad or whatever the reason. Yeah. But I'm curious with that part, is there anything that you did to learn more about the people that you're prospecting to? Because you guys reach out to a lot of marketing agencies. I'm assuming you haven't run marketing at a marketing agency before. Like, what did you do to learn more about the people that you were reaching out to? Yeah, so I definitely think this is where, you know, PR kind of falls into coming from a background that's helped me. I do think that prospecting-wise... 
like I said, companies that we work with are usually agencies. So I would say I'm coming from an agency side and I definitely know, obviously I'm going to reach out to, you know, someone who's working in the social media, but I'm also aware like some people I've seen on accounts go after an account executive. So me personally, if I stay with PR, I would have been an account executive within a year. I would have had no decision-making skills like at all. I wouldn't have known like how to chat with someone who is looking to source a tool for an entire company. So it's Mm -hmm. definitely about aiming for the right people and not wasting your time on the people who don't really have as much say. I definitely like to go for the people at the top too. I think it's easier to kind of, which I know a lot of people don't like, but to talk to someone who is a decision maker, because right from there, you're going to get a yes or a no if they're interested, because ultimately you're going to go through the whole process. You're going to end up with the decision maker. So why not start there? I definitely think that's helped me. And I think prospecting wise, you have to be extremely organized. Otherwise you kind of lose your footing on everything. Okay. So like when you started, did they tell you, were you given like an ICP and personas and said, Hey, these are the companies we want you to reach out to. Like here are the specific parameters, like here are the people. Are you kind of given that stuff or do they give you the accounts? I kind of look at, by the way, just to backtrack, the outbound prospecting looks at like three buckets. There's like an identify bucket. What companies are we targeting? Who are the people at those companies? There's the messaging bucket, our sequencing, what we say in our cold calls, et cetera. And then like the conversion bucket, like how do we secure a meeting? So if we look at that like identify bucket, do you get to kind of pick the accounts that you go after and the people or do they give yeah. that to you? Like what, how does that work for you guys? Yeah, so we totally get to pick who we go after, whether it's okay. sourcing from an account pool with accounts already created on um, that we're kind of just gotten rid of because no one like got in contact with the right contact from the company. You can kind of pull from there or you can kind of do your own account creation. So I tend to do a little bit of both, but ultimately I think what it comes down to is, you know, some people going after the same contacts all the time, which sometimes, yes, it does work because in reality, you want to go after that one position who is specifically the social media Mm. um, DM. So that's super important to look, but there's also, you know, larger companies just because there's a social media person designated for social media doesn't mean that, you know, someone in marketing would also be interested in using a tool such as Falcon, which does analytics as well to measure campaigns. So it's like, there's a little bit of everything and you don't always have to go after the obvious, you know, target for prospecting. Is there any criteria that you use like when you like identify like, hey, this is a company that would be a good fit? Is there anything that you're looking at to decide like who you're going to reach out to? Like number of people, like what role? Is there any kind of questions maybe you're asking yourself, any criteria, anything like that when you're picking kind of who to reach out to? So I definitely think LinkedIn is your best friend in sales. I think that someone who is in marketing could completely be on, you know, the analytics side only while someone else in marketing could also be overseeing the social media. So it really Mm -hmm. depends, you know, how large the company is, whether it's a company with technology or IT versus an agency, which obviously a lot of people do have a say in the social media, but there's only some positions as very small, even at a large like tech firm or something Mm -hmm. that have only those few positions that really run the marketing and social media department. How do you know what to pick? Do you just pick both and say, hey, I'm going to go after both angles? Yeah. How do you decide? Yeah. So sometimes, well, obviously it depends what type of account I'm prospecting. So is it an agency or is it, you know, something like a, a nonprofit? 
So for an agency, I'll tend to go after, you know, the people who are specifically social media, because usually an agency is a bit smaller than a larger corporation, obviously. And of course, there are agencies that are Mm -hmm. huge, but those agencies also have offices everywhere. So, you know, there's a social media person in your Chicago office. There's a social media person in your New York office. And usually we don't tend to go after like the full company itself, because sometimes they're all over the world. And, you know, we have Falcons all over the world and we're, we know we're just strictly like United States. So, um, for those situations, I'm going after social media, but where, you know, it's a larger corporation, I tend to go after the marketing positions because I think they're also doing a little bit of the social media and kind of more the decision maker versus someone who's just purely in a social media position. But again, it really just depends. And I really, I do just go straight for the LinkedIn. I like to read. I don't just choose. I see, oh, you know, what are you doing in your roles? Actually, I actually called someone the other day who had stuff written on his LinkedIn. And he said to me, he didn't do, you know, social media management. So I said to him, that's so funny. Like I saw it on your LinkedIn. And then it ended up being a hilarious conversation. He was like, well, I actually just copy and paste that <laughs> from job posting. So not all yeah. of the right contact, but it was a great conversation. Yeah. And honestly, me and my day, it was really funny. But yeah, so usually they're correct. So I'll go for, you know, kind of what people are saying. Are they doing anything relatively related to Falcon, not just content management? Are they doing those metrics? Are they doing social listening? Mm-hmm. So all of that, you know, tie in together. Gotcha. And the reason I'm digging in here, I'm, I'm trying to see if there's any kind of nuggets in here around who you pick, because that's another thing that people run across sometimes is like, I know this company is a good fit, but where do I get started? If there's like a dozen people I could reach out to, where do I get started? And it sounds like you guys have kind of identified and Again, is this something that was taught to you or is this something you're just kind of learning as you have these conversations that it's either going to be social yeah. media or analytics typically? And if I'm reaching out to a company with multiple yeah. offices, I'm going to focus on the one in the United States and really kind of sell that office or that location mm-hmm. versus the entire company. Well, I think that's a difference between an agency versus, you know, a larger company yeah. or corporation, because for those agencies, you know, sometimes we are like, here is your agency whatever name it is, XYZ, mm-hmm. um, I'll say Magrino. I used to work at Magrino, but they're only in New York. But say they had an office in Chicago, I would usually write like I'm reaching out to like Magrino Chicago. And like then no one else is like overlapping with yeah. that because you're not going to go for a social media manager in the Chicago office for the New York office. So it tends to kind of work that way versus prospecting. But again, I think it's something that I've learned. I mean, I know I've only been here for so long, but it's something that you kind of have to teach yourself. You can only be given so much advice. I think you need to find what really works for you and what you kind of like excel at. So for me, I like to go after different people, but some people do amazing going after the same people and just getting those people on the conversations and really locking them in. So it really does depend on, you know, your persona and kind of a few other things that go into that, you know, how many people you're prospecting or are you working out of custom cadences and, you know, everyone is different and everyone kind of like finds their footing, but it definitely takes some time. For sure. How do you determine how many people to reach out to at the same company at the same time? Yeah, so that's obviously something that, really depends because if it's a larger company, especially with working from home, it's kind of different because these people aren't sitting next to each other in the same office. So you could technically go after two people who usually sit next to each other at the same office, have a similar job and have no idea that you're, you know, corresponding with both of them. So to me, I think it does make those things a little easier, but on the back end, it makes things kind of impossible because you have to go after cell phones and kind of, you know, some other things that 
make it more challenging because, you know, sometimes you're not going to get them at a direct line, you know, if they're working from home, obviously. So that definitely makes things more challenging. So is it like four people at a time at a bigger company? Like, how do you determine how many people? And maybe it's just a range or you kind of, maybe it's intuitive. But Mm -hmm. again, I'm asking this because it's another question people have a lot where it's like, if there are a dozen plus people I could reach out to at a large company. Who do I go after? And then when do I move on kind of thing? I'm just curious, how many people at a time would you prospect into at like an agency, let's say for an example? So for an agency, obviously, if it's a smaller one, so you can go after like a medium-sized agency, which is like 50 to 100 people around. I'm really not going after more than one or two because at an agency like that, there's only social media-wise, everyone is working on account base, like they're looking after media versus like that one social media position is, you know, going after just the social media channels and all of that stuff. So I also think working in the PR field, because I do know how agencies kind of operate. And I do know if you're reaching out to a public relations agency, a bulk of the people are really just going to be focusing on media content, which is, you know, reaching out to editors for the magazines and outlets versus those two or three social media positions who are solely focused on the client's social media. So what it sounds like is in most cases, there's very few people that you actually want to engage with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Otherwise, I think you could probably reach out to 10 people from a company, but is that really a good resource of your time, especially when those one to two people are the decision makers? Like you can go after 10 different people, but ultimately if they're ignoring your phone call, ignoring your email, like there's a reason that they're doing that. Like they're not interested. So why would, you know, the eight other people be interested once you reach out to the, the main two, I guess you could say. So it sounds like you prefer to start as high as you can within that company with a person that has the most decision-making power related to that, to Falcon. Yeah. So again, it doesn't always work out that way because for an agency, I wouldn't be, you know, reaching out to like the CEO, but for another company such as a supermarket or something, Mm -hmm. I could possibly reach out to like someone like in the corporate office who's like pretty high up, you know, who's kind of overseeing those decisions. Like a VP of marketing or something like that. Right. Yes. But then they're like, yeah, like I don't make those decisions, but you can reach out to this person. You're like, oh, we just got a contact. I'm going to name drop your boss who told me to reach out to you. So it's like, oh, I'm going to respond if my boss chatted with them. So I definitely think there's a little bit of like strategy going into it. And again, I wouldn't do that for like an agency because I don't think I would have that same effect. But on like a larger company corporation, I do think it tends to work sometimes. Gotcha. Okay. So if we kind of segue into before we get into the calling portion, because I'm very curious because the number one complaint you hear right now is that people aren't picking up the phone. And it sounds right. like you're finding the exact opposite case to be true. How do you organize your week? What does a typical Monday through Friday look like? And where do you try to maybe make calls during certain blocks or take meetings or whatever it may be? Yeah. Like, how do you organize your week? And maybe give us a sense of what kind of activity volume yeah. that you're doing, but you're able to like really get a lot of calls in throughout the week to get yeah. these meetings set up. And it just sounds like you're very organized with your time and stuff. How do you approach blocking and tackling your week? Yeah, so I definitely think organization is like probably 50% of why I'm probably successful. Um, I'm extremely Mm -hmm. organized. So with prospecting, again, I know most people listening to your podcast are in sales. So they're probably familiar with Salesforce when things are going into cadences. Um, You're kind of lining things up. I like to keep that like the number of people I'm prospecting at least 120. Like I will never let it go below 120, which, you know, enables me to make at least 100 calls a day, which, you know, some people are nowhere near that volume 
volume. And honestly, like it's just the click of a button. So sometimes I like don't understand. They're not all going to pick up, but if they do, I do see how it could get overwhelming, but I'd like cross my fingers that someone picks up the phone because otherwise I'm like just sitting there calling people. And of course, everyone, you could have bad days. It does get kind of boring if you know, you're not chatting with anyone. So I definitely like to keep it lined up because if I'm not connecting with at least a few people a day, I'm kind of bored. So I just, you know, love to get that interaction with someone. And I just really think the organization part goes into it, you know, not keeping your account open. If they open up and they pop out of the cadence, like, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to get rid of the account in my name? Or am I going to find a new contact for, you know, that specific account? Like, is it worth my time to rework it? I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that like, I wouldn't just leave that open in my pipeline, which is some people do. So again, it doesn't bother some people, but it would bother me personally. And I think that's obviously helped me. Yeah. (laughs) But it's just like, I like to be organized in those aspects. And do you guys use like outreach for a sales engagement tool or of any kind? Or are you prospecting? Out so of, Zoom info. Uh, do you use anything to help you make the calls or send the emails or sequence or anything? Yeah. So that's like the cadences we use sales loft, which kind of plugs in sales Salesforce. Okay. So Salesforce, yeah. Yep. So yeah, I'm working on finding the contacts in Salesforce, but kind of going through the cadences in sales loft, gotcha. which was quite easy to learn. It looked so challenging in the beginning. Yeah. I feel like everyone kind of grasped onto it quite quickly. So the metric that you're monitoring is I want to make a hundred calls per day. Mm -hmm. Is that Monday through Friday? So 500 calls a week? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I've heard from like my manager that I'm doing two days in one basically. And there's other people who are doing the same thing as me, but their day is completely opposite as me. So it's like crazy to hear like, which is why I say whatever you feel works for you is what's kind of important. But there's Mm -hmm. obviously those key things that we're all doing that when we're all hitting those numbers. So it's, you know, keeping a certain amount of people in your lineup or finding another contact from the account um, because you never know. And I've actually had plenty of accounts where I'll go after a second person and I'll connect with that second person and hold a demo with them, even though I didn't get one response from the first person. So it really also depends on like the person you're reaching out to. Some people are honestly nicer than others and are like, okay, I'll let you speak a little. Like I'll give you five minutes of your time. And once I have that five minutes of their time, like I'm going to do everything I can to win them over. Yeah. So where do you fit in the 100 calls in your day? Where do you block it off during the day typically? I like to start with my calls in the morning. Mm -hmm. Obviously not all calls because we're kind of doing like all the US. So like I'm not going to call people five o'clock in California. So I'll start, I'll probably go to about 1030 making those calls. Take a pause. So like eight to 1030? Nine to 1030. Nine to 1030. Okay. Yeah. So around nine to 1030. And then I start hitting a point where I'm like, okay, this person's in California. I can't call them yet. So then I'm kind of just like clicking people and like every other, it's like a hit or a miss. So then I'll wait until like 12. So wherever Everyone is, you know, okay to call. But prior to that, then I kind of take a look at all the accounts that had opened up in the cadence because now that I've been here for a while, every day there's at least some. So I'll tend to go for those ones first that basically are at the end of the cadence that say like leave a voicemail. So then after that voicemail, it will open up and I'll, you know, take a look, which is kind of how I stay organized. Like I stick with cleaning my pipeline throughout the day versus leaving everything to last minute. So then there's some things open. I'm like, do I want to get rid of it or do I want to find someone new? And, you know, if it's not 12 o'clock yet, then I'll start prospecting more accounts and kind of start to line other things up for after, you know, my cadences are done. So then I'm finding new accounts to reach out to. Yeah. So it's basically like that. And then once it hits like 12, I'll start calling again. And then I'm usually done with my prospecting, which is at least 100 calls by two. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I definitely think... 
I'm just like quicker with it. I'm also like not the most patient person. So I definitely just kind of like stick with it. And I'm like, okay, I have to connect with someone. But then on the opposite side, it is really all about patience because you could have like the worst day and not connect with anyone and just have to get over it. And then the next day you could connect with four people and out of like three out of those four, Mm -hmm. you're scheduling meetings with. So it's really just a hit or miss. So you cold call about three and a half hours a day. It sounds like you're picking up the phones. Definitely. And then prior to, you know, prospecting those new accounts and putting them into cadences, which is, like I said before, is Mm -hmm. um, sales loft, like putting them into like that 10 day cadence, I will give them a call first. So sometimes I'll actually connect on the first time without even sending an email and get their attention and book a meeting from that. Yeah. I mean, if you kind of run the math, it's about 25 to 30 calls per hour, which is pretty doable. Right. Like if someone was watching you work, I'm sure you're probably cooking. You're not messing around. Oh yeah. Like you can't distract me. Like I'm focused. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. While you're making these calls, like how many people over the course of a three and a half hour of call blocks, how many people would you say that you talk to out of the hundred that you call? Yeah. So I'm not sure. I mean, you could probably tell me this, like probably a really good connect rate. What would that be? I've like seen my connects and like, I would say I have about 10 to 15%, which I'm not sure if that's, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot, but out of that percentile, I'm mostly booking most of them. Yeah. That's on the higher end right now. A lot of stuff I'm seeing is around 5%. Let's talk about that piece. So would you say every day looks fairly close to the same kind of format? Oh, absolutely. It's definitely like a rigorous routine. I think, which is also why some people are like, why would you want to be an SDR? You're doing the same thing every single day for months and months and months. But for someone like me who loves, you know, a nice schedule, that's the same every day. I'm like, oh, I love it. I know exactly what I'm going to do when I wake up in the morning and no one's going to email me and distract me. So I like it. So basically at 2 p.m., do you spend then maybe the last couple hours of the day kind of cleaning up your CRM, sending out sequences, sending your emails, like that sort of stuff? Yeah, and prospecting as well. So kind of loading up new accounts and seeing who I'm going to target and putting a few more in cadences to start up those cadences. Because every day, if you're prospecting so many accounts, every day, a lot are going to pop out of the custom cadences. So you kind of have to be on your toes to know, okay, there's 15 people popping out of my cadence Mm -hmm. today. I want to put back in, you know, I want to match that. So I try to do that. Obviously it's not, you know, feasible every single day, but I'll try to, if 10 people pop out, I want to put in 10 other accounts. Gotcha. So With your connect rate, is there anything that you're doing to increase connects? Like, do you double tap? Like, will you call someone and if you get their voicemail, hang up and then try calling them again? Like, is there anything you do to try to improve connect rates or anything like that? No, I definitely don't do that. But I was actually thinking that today. People put their phone on do not disturb. So like, why not give it like a second pass? Yeah. Well, especially if you see a call twice in a row from the same number. You're like, oh, this must be important. And rarely p- do people comment and say anything, actually. Interesting. I should give it a try. And, and they might. I mean, you already have 10 to 15%. You might get it like a 10 to 15% boost on that. So it might get it up to like maybe 12 to 17%, okay. you know, kind of, kind of a thing. But it doesn't take really any extra time. Yeah. I mean, you just hang up, you call a person back. And do you leave voicemails? So I do because I do like to follow the cadences that were given, but sometimes, and like, I know with most sale people, like you can see if someone opened your email. Mm -hmm. So if someone, I've been through the whole cadence with them and they haven't touched the email, that gives me more of a reason to leave them a voicemail because I'm like, oh, like, why haven't they seen my email? Like, have they gone to junk? Have they blocked it? Whatever the case is, that's kind of my last way in to be like, hey, not sure if you're seeing this, like, are you still interested? And 
I'll be honest, I haven't gotten much interest from voicemails, but it's just one of those things where I feel like just part of that whole cadence and it's the last step and you should do it. Do you typically call first? Is that how the sequence starts? Is with a phone call or with an email? Yeah, it definitely depends. We have cadences set up for basically it depends what level you are. So if a social media manager yeah. might get, you know, something different than a VP of the company, like social media manager are usually yeah. kids, you know, my age around, you know, 25 to 30, whatever it is. And they're not going to be as annoyed if they're getting a call, but someone who's, you know, the VP of a large company, like, well, they don't want you calling them. So it's definitely more sporadic and spread out versus someone who's a little bit of a lesser position is getting, you know, more calls. But I think- gotcha. Most of them do start with the call. I mean, it's kind of just like a back and forth call mm-hmm. to email, call to email type of cadence. One thing you might try if you haven't also that I found to be effective is if you call when you leave the voicemail, if you use that voicemail, point them to the email. So you could say something like, oh, hey, Erica, mm-hmm. I'm about to send you an email and the subject line is going to be, hey, Erica, I just left a voicemail. Yeah. Do you do anything like that where you kind of point people to certain things or kind of make the channels work together a little bit? Yeah. So because obviously the voicemail comes at the end, my emails were already mm-hmm. sent, but it's one of those things for me. My voicemail is like, hey, I'm going to bring out the benefit of Falcon, say like why yeah. I think, hey, like you're an agency. We work with tons of agencies, you know, maybe name drop some. But at the end, I'm like, not sure if you saw my email and then I'll kind of like say my email and then like kind of spell it out because some people will go, oh, that like interesting, type my name in. And then, then honestly, sometimes like I'll be on the phone with someone and I'll get them on like, you know, the first call of the cadence after I sent the email and I'll say to them, like, if you haven't seen my email and then literally as I'm saying it, like I said, my name prior to saying the email thing, Bill had typed it in. And then I can literally see on my sales first email opened. People just get tons of emails a day and it's nothing to be concerned about because they're definitely getting them. It's just a matter of, are, do they care? <laughs> yeah. I think that's another really key element that you pointed out though, is that you do mention the email mm-hmm. in the voicemail and you're kind of like directing them to that. Yeah. You know, because people are calling it hammered by other people too, right? right? So sometimes it's hard as a prospect to see because I get a lot of cold emails and I get random phone calls mm-hmm. and I don't see what's connected because they don't say that they mentioned and sent an right. email and the email doesn't mention that they left a voice. You know, it's really hard to yeah. see that it's connected coming from the same person. Right. So it doesn't actually end up building very much like awareness right. of like what that person's doing. So in terms of like how you organize like your call blocks, you know, if we look at that first session from nine to 1030 in the morning, Are you doing all the prep work in advance? Do you have a task list and sales loft that you're basically running through and like hammering through that and like making sure that the only thing I'm doing during this time is all ready and prepped for me to go. I open it and I can just go boom, 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 right through it. Yes. Those cadences I'm setting up, like those are already like, let's say it's a 10 day cadence. If it's going to jump back into the cadence, like the next day, the following day. So it's one of those things where for everyone, our calls are already lined up or emails are lined up. It's just a matter of, I like to sort by um, time zone because obviously, Obviously, I want to call, you know, yeah. Eastern people first and they kind of like move it over to like mountain time to later in the day, like whatever the case is, I kind of just always, you know, have them there, which is, goes back to the point where if 15 people pop out towards the end of the day, I'm putting back in 15 people. So those cadences continue to stay around the same number. Gotcha. Is there anything that you do prior to the workday getting started or before you make calls? Is just like a routine that you have to kind of get like sort of mentally in the zone or anything like that that you do? Honestly, I drink my coffee and that's really about <laughs> it. <laughs> like, honestly, sometimes I even like get back into bed with my cup of coffee after like freshening up in the morning and I just like start making my dials. Like, I definitely don't think I don't yeah. like get in the zone or anything. I'm just like, all right, let's talk to people. Yeah, cool. 
And then in terms of calling people, you guys have Zoom info, it sounds like. Are a lot of these predominantly like mobile phones or do you call through office lines too? Like what what are you doing? I definitely do a mix of both. Um, I know people like to go for the mobile phone now, but there are definitely some people who are working in the office um, depending on, you know, where they're located. Or again, if it's someone higher up on that chain, so like a CMO or something, like most likely they are in the office because they're like higher up. But I do think that sometimes nowadays the direct lines that you're seeing are routed to the mobile numbers because of COVID. So you could be seeing their office number and ignoring that. But in reality, you take that down and it could be, you know, rerouted to that mobile phone. Mm -hmm. So I definitely do a little bit of both. But if there isn't a mobile phone or a direct line, yes, maybe I'll give a call just to see if I can get that direct line. But if I don't, then I'll probably leave it in a cadence for two days. If they don't open my email, I'll get rid of it. Honestly, I don't think it's worth my time. Got it. Would you call into like just the general corporate line, let's say, because you don't have anything How do you talk to the person that answers? Like, how do you ask them for the direct lines? Yeah, those are to me the best conversations. People get like stumped by gatekeepers, but like I like to kind of introduce myself as someone who already knows this person, even though that's not the case. Like I won't usually don't say first name or last name. I'll just say first name. Mm. Like, hey, calling for Ryan. Is he there? Kind of just short and sweet. And obviously if there's more than one that name, they'll be like, Ryan who, like which one. And then obviously I'll like lead into that. But I think confidence is what will make them kind of put you through and then give you that direct line. And then they'll say like, you know, what are you calling for? And I feel it's good to be kind of vague, but give a little information. So, oh, I sent him an email, like I'm calling to talk about like the social media setup, which is also nice when you have a name drop too, if you're reaching out to someone who's higher up and you're like, oh, blah, blah, blah. The VP of the company basically told me to reach out to this person. Why wouldn't the gatekeeper give you that information? So basically it sounds like option number one is kind of this assumptive route, which I recommend the same thing. It's like, hey, this is Jason. I was calling to talk to Erica. It's just like, it's very straightforward, assumptive. And it's like your tone really is a lot of it, right? Because you don't sound like a salesperson the way that you did it just now. Definitely. So I actually have a conversation that was like shown to, you know, the other SDRs in the team that one of my managers liked because I had called a company. I connected with this guy, one of the social Uh media guys via email. And he basically said he was super interested and he wanted to chat. So we were going like back and forth via email. I was unable to reach him on that, his mobile phone. So I decided to call the office and kind of speak to him that way. So someone picked up and usually it's the gatekeeper. That's what you're assuming. So I answer the phone. Hey, I'm looking for, you know, XYZ. And they're like, okay, let me go see. His name is Tyler. Let me go see if, you know, he's available. So the guy comes back and he's like, you know, Tyler's not available. So I'm thinking in my head, like, oh, you know, like this is a gatekeeper. Like I'm going to hang up the phone. So he's like, can I help you? So rather than being kind of giving the usual spiel, I'm, yeah, like maybe you can point me in the direction. Like I've actually been talking to Tyler for a while, kind of making it kind of like building up that rapport. Been talking to him for a while about the social media tools. Turns out this guy was actually (laughs) above him. And because when he mentioned like, oh, I'm actually like head of marketing, whatever, instead of being, oh, wow, amazing. I was like, oh, nice. Like, let's just jump into the conversation then. And it kind of was just cool. Like you make the decisions. Nice. Like, let's get it rolling. No, I'm not. Ah, nice. You know what I mean? I think it's all about tone as well. I definitely think people are, people could get nervous, you know, if someone super high up picked up the phone. But for me, I'm like, oh, like, thank God, like I'm skipping a step. Like, that's just how it goes sometimes. So where do you think that comes from? Because it seems like you have like no call reluctance at all. I definitely. Which, like I said, is like the number one challenge that like almost every sales team has. Have you always been that afraid to just like talk 
to people? Are you extroverted? Like, yeah. Like that kind of thing? Yeah, I'm very extroverted. And that's, I definitely think it's one of those things where you can't be in sales unless you're able to have a certain personality. I mean, me and my sister are the opposite. And my sister won't even send back like a dish that's cold. She doesn't like confrontation. And I'm like, hello, you're paying for this. Like, why wouldn't you? So like, yeah. we're out to dinner. I'll literally send it back for her. You're from New York? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's very New Yorker of you. My wife is from New York. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely is. And like, my friends are like, the same way, but yeah. you know, I went to school in Florida and not everyone was like me, you yeah. know, and some people do think it's more, it's hit or miss. I mean, some people yeah. definitely think it could be obnoxious and it's just how I am. And I definitely think that being confident is one of the things that help as well. Again, I can talk to anyone and it's okay if you're the lowest position or the highest position, I'm going to speak to you the same way. And obviously you know, I'm going to treat you the same. You're just a normal person. Yeah. Maybe one day you know, I'll be in a, like an upper position. Like it's just a person. And, you know, I'm sure if I was in their position with a busy day, I really wouldn't want to answer a call too. So it's kind of more that aspect where you kind of have to relate to them. You're like, Hey, I'm going to grab you for five minutes yeah. if you don't mind. And then that's where these discovery calls come in that we do. So I can hop on a phone with someone and they'll be, I'm super busy. I'm super busy. I can't even get a word in, but before they hang up the phone, I'm like, well, do you work with the social media? So kind of like get that this is the right person I'm talking to. If they say yes, I'm like, cool. Well, I'm going to send you a calendar invite for Thursday. Are you free in the morning or afternoon? Usually they'll say morning, afternoon. I'll send it. I'll be like, we're going to talk for five minutes here and we're going to see if Falcon could be a good fit. And usually it works and a demo will come out of that. Yeah. So it's definitely just understanding that people aren't rude pushing you off the phone. They're busy mm -hmm. and that's okay. We're busy too. So I definitely think that those little things help. Some people think that's pushy though. So that's why I think the personality definitely comes in where I'm not afraid to do that. I don't think it's offending them. I'm just going to throw something on your calendar. To be honest, if they don't want to show up, no one's forcing them to show up to that call, you know? Yeah. Let's talk about the cold call. So when you get the person that you want to talk to on the phone, can you kind of share with us, how do you open up the call? How do you kind of structure the call? Yeah. So obviously if it's someone that someone has targeted in the past, I'll give a, Hey, it's Erica calling from Falcon. Like, how have you been mm -hmm. kind of putting it out there that maybe we've connected in the past? Sometimes I've gotten the, do I know you? Yeah. And I'm like, no, you don't, which is kind of awkward. And some people could kind of be like turned away by that, but I'm like, you don't, but like now you do like nice to meet you and kind of turn it more into like a funny conversation. I know you chatted with my colleague X, Y, and Z a couple months ago, like is now a better time to chat. Or if it's like completely random, I also kind of make it sound more of like a friendly conversation versus a sales call. And there are those times where people are like, is this a sales call? And I'm like, yeah. It is. And I'm a social media management tool. And I think that it's worth five minutes of your time. Sometimes it works. Obviously, sometimes it doesn't. But I definitely think going into it like friendly as they're your friend versus, you know, kind of pitching them something, which obviously, you know, I'm doing as well, but in like a different demeanor. Yeah. So you like the how have you been line, that pretty popular line definitely. there that works pretty well. Yeah. So if you talk to someone that maybe hasn't heard of Falcon before, so you ask them, how have you been? And they're like, good. What's up? How can I help you? What do you say next? So then I like, I'm calling from Falcon. Have you ever heard of Falcon? And then I've honestly gotten the bird and I'm no, not exactly. There's an IO at the end of Falcon IO. So some people who have seen it in the past are like IO. And I'm like, yep, that's the one where the social media management platform and kind of just lead into kind of the different aspects of the platform can I have five minutes to talk about your social media setup and see if we could be a good fit? Kind of giving them 
the aspect that I'm not wasting their time. It's valuable for them because it's like, let me see if I can benefit you versus this is what it's going to do for you. You give me some information and we'll have that quick chat and see, is it beneficial? And we can both decide that together. And then you do the five minute call on the spot usually, or is that scheduled for another time? No, yeah, I'll do it on the spot. And we'll just kind of go through what their day-to-day social media setup looks like, the team setup, what their position is, you know, timeline to implement a new tool and kind of all those aspects to the conversation. Usually takes not five minutes. It definitely takes 10 minutes, but we definitely say five minutes. And sometimes it is five minutes depending on how involved they are or how into the conversation they'll get. Once you start getting someone talking about their job, they don't want to stop. They'll tell you everything. And I definitely think that's, a good part of it because if you have someone who is interested, you can get everything out of them. So correct me if I'm wrong. So it sounds like the structures, you got your intro, have you been, you kind of explain briefly like, hey, have you heard of Falcon? And what if they say, no, we haven't heard of Falcon. How do you talk about what you guys do? I'm like, well, that's cool. That's totally fine. We work with tons of companies, companies similar to yours, happy to introduce it. We're a social media management platform. We do X, Y, and Z. And then after that is when I'll go into the, are you specifically working with the social media? Because I'm not going to have a 10 minute conversation with someone who is completely clueless about it. That's before I jump into my question. So if they're like, no, I don't, but this person on my team does, you know, sometimes that happens or they're like, no, I don't, but I know that we're using a tool and we're happy with it. And then that's one of those rebuttals where you kind of have to work around. Oh, that's cool. You know, we work with a lot of companies who already have a tool implemented, but it's definitely worth the conversation because we might offer something that you're not getting from that other tool. And obviously, most of the time, it kind of hooks people. They're like, fine, I'll give you a few minutes. Most tools that people have are either, you know, an annual contract or a month to month. So obviously, depending on the timing, like if they just renewed it, I'm not going to have them on a demo because that's kind of a waste of time because when the time rolls around where they're looking at new tools, they're probably going to forget what Falcon is. So Mm -hmm. it's just one of those things where it definitely depends on the time too. Got it. So you basically, the first thing that you want to figure out is, is this person in charge of social media? And then from there, it sounds like you go into kind of qualification style questions where you're wanting to know, like, what's the size of your team? Like, what are you using it for? That sort of stuff. And do you get any resistance when you ask questions? Usually once I hit the questions, there's really no resistance. But one of the most important questions that I like to make sure that I cover on the phone is what's kind of your position? Because, you know, if they're a social media manager and they're completely at the bottom, just because they're looking at a tool doesn't mean anything. They might have zero say if the, if the company moves forward with a new tool. So I like to say, what's your position? And then towards the end of the call, if we have that good conversation and they're ready to get locked in for a viewing of the platform, I say, is there anybody else that you think should be on the platform? Maybe someone higher up that might make the decisions or might want to see the platform as well. And sometimes... The answer is yes. Sometimes it's no, they don't have time on the decision maker. But a lot of times there are, you know, two people who do check out the platform and kind of see, okay, now you have the DM on it and you have the person who's actually on the platform. So the DM kind of checks out, is this really worth spending the money? While the social media person's like, oh, I love this. This is going to help me. So then you kind of get that mutual agreement between the two. So do you do any research on the company before you call them? Typically depends. If it's an agency, I will click on their website and kind of see what types of clients they're working with. Because honestly, not all companies 
are big on social media agencies. Yeah. Yes. But if I'm looking at an IT company or a software service, and sometimes, you know, they're so large that they do have social media tools, but obviously it's just specifically for their channels versus, you know, clients, which is why I think agencies are easier to go after because they're not doing it just for themselves. They're doing it for 20 other clients. So that makes, you know, the budget greater and that makes, you know, the use of the tool greater. Whereas, you know, a company that's only controlling four social media channels might be able to do it natively. But, you know, depending on how big it is, I do kind of like to take a look either way, kind of just at the website structure kind of on the social channels. If they have five followers on Instagram and five on Facebook, I'm not going after them. They're not utilizing social media, which is fine. But most of the time, and especially this day and age, everyone's really on social media, which is why I think it's such a great tool to be selling. So it sounds like you're researching primarily for the purposes of qualification, kind of pre-qualifying. Definitely. Do you mention any sort of stuff that you found about them or any research like during the call or do you just kind of go straight in? I'll tend to go straight in. Obviously, if it is an agency, I like to bring in my background and kind of be on like more personal level. Like, how's everything going? I was in PR before this and I know some things are hard, especially I was working with hospitality clients and like some are on pause. That kind of gets us into like a friendly conversation before jumping into things. So I like to do that. I definitely would say it's more so qualifying them to see, is it even worth my time to reach out? Are they even on social media? Like, do they have a large presence? Can they stick with things natively? Are they going to have the budget? You can kind of like feel those things off of a website. Gotcha. Is there any, because we've got a couple more minutes here. What would you say is the most common objection that you get? I would definitely have to say it is an objection, but at the same time, it's not for us because they was, were already using a tool. Yeah. So that's obviously like a rebuttal that you kind of have to go with, but it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, what don't you like in your tool? And can we give you more value in our tool? Mm-hmm. So it is an objection, but at the same time to me, it's like, oh, well, they see the value in social media tooling. Let's give them something that's better than what they're using. Yeah. So you'll ask them, okay, hey, awesome. You're using Hootsuite. Yeah. What don't you like about it? Definitely. If they're using a tool, that's my first question. Let's start off with, you know, pros and cons. What do you like about it? Usually they'll say content calendar. And you always have to like add that value rather than just like question, question, questions like, oh, well, we have a content calendar as well. This is what ours can do. Or we don't like their analytics or something. Oh, like we have a great analytics system. We can do X, Y, and Z and kind of add that value to show them, oh, a demo might be worth it, even though we're on a tool. Got it. So pros and cons. And then from there, it sounds like they're pretty open. Did you research a lot of the competing tools? I know you came from PR, so you probably were aware of Buffer or Hootsuite or whatever other tools there are out there. Did you research any of that stuff? Like, how do you know how Falcon stacks up compared to the other tools in these areas? So I definitely know the main ones that people are on, whether yeah. it's, you know, Sprout, Hootsuite, Buffer. I know that like newsrooms are using like social news desk, whatever it's called, but there's specific ones that like, certain companies are using, which I know in my head, oh, a large company, you might be using like Sprinkler, which is more money than us. So you kind of just, I know like the general aspects, but when you're on cold call, I'm not like digging into those things. I'm kind of just seeing what you'd like, what you dislike about it. I'm not on an hour call with them where I'm giving them the whole rundown. Like that's what the demo is for. So it's more so to just uncover what they're missing, what they need versus all that value. So I definitely know those main ones, but there's 
thousands out there. There's plenty of times where I ask someone what they're using and they're like this. And I'm like, never heard of it. Totally. (laughs) with them. I'm like, Oh, honestly, I never heard of that. Can you let me know what specifically you're doing on that? Is it just content management or are you also doing, you know, analytics and social listening? Like I'd love to hear the breakdown and they'll totally like jump into that conversation with you. But yeah, there's plenty, I don't know. And there's always something new to learn every single day. Yeah. Love it. Before you take off, if you could give yourself advice two months ago, knowing what you know now, like, is there anything you would have said? I would probably say, don't be too stressed all the time if a day doesn't go as planned because you can just bounce back up the next day and schedule three demos. And you know, you could have a bad day every now and then and it happens. That's the advice I would give myself. For other people, I would say, I think being successful means finding what you feel is right. So whether it's calling in the morning or calling in the afternoon, if you feel in the morning, it's better to prospect, you should do that. And like, there's definitely things that work better for people that don't work for others. So I definitely think it's all about like, kind of like finding your rhythm, especially because you're doing the same thing mostly every single day. I mean, it's kind of tedious. So you definitely need to kind of figure out what works for you. That was a fun one. So one of the big takeaways for me talking with Erica is the 100 cold calls per day. It sounds like a lot, but when you kind of break it down over like three hours, you're making about 25 to 30 calls per hour. And that's operating under the assumption that most of those people probably won't pick up. So it sounds like she's got around a 10% connect, right? So I would kind of think about how you could look at your day in, in terms of sprints. And maybe the volume doesn't need to be as high depending on your conversions especially if you're getting responses from your emails and maybe you're able to set meetings through LinkedIn. Maybe you only need to make half as many calls as that because you get responses through email, whatever it is. But I think it's like, how can I attack my workday? And how can I approach that hour or hour and a half block that I'm calling it and just not mess around at all? She has like zero call reluctance. That's the big thing I picked up from that. And it doesn't sound like it's something she's really had to ever deal with. So I would think about if you're feeling call reluctant, and that's like the big reason why you're not making enough calls, think about what you would need not to feel call reluctant. And usually what that is, is your messaging and like what you're saying, we're afraid that it's not gonna resonate with the prospect. So think about how you can revisit the messaging. And we got a lot of free stuff on our website that can help with that if you go to blissfulprospecting.com. So that was my big takeaway. I appreciate you tuning in. And again, my favorite for you, it would mean a lot if you got value from this episode that you would share it with one other person could be a coworker, your manager, whoever it might be. We're really focused on growing the audience. I would love to continue helping out more people exactly like you and putting out great content like this. So thanks for tuning in. Have a good holiday and we will talk to you soon.